Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And that'll do it. It's over. The Golden State Warriors return to a familiar place. They're on top of the NBA world. The fourth title in eight years. The Dubs dynasty is still very much alive. I'm so proud of our group. I thank God every day that I get to play this game at the highest level with some amazing people. I mean, we do know this is what it's all about, playing for a championship and what we've been through the last three years. The beginning of the season, nobody, nobody thought we'd be here except everybody in this, on this court right now. And it's amazing. Very surreal, though. Very surreal. Ding, ding. How about we can just watch basketball? I like that idea. Well, you know, you didn't ask this, but I want to thank all our wives and kids. It is not easy supporting us all year long, but it's the players. It's Steve, it's the players, it's Joe for supporting us. Um, I'm thankful, Lisa, to just have been with these three guys basically my whole career. Welcome to the Daily Ding. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. The Golden State Warriors are your 2022 NBA champions. Steph Curry is your finals MVP. I'm crying because I just watched Steph Curry cry for about half an hour. And I'm here with all of my good friends, Mark Schindler, Dave DeFore, and Keith Parrish. We've got the Daily Ding crew here tonight. Uh, Mark, let's start with you. Uh, there actually was a game after watching these guys get get their hats and their t-shirts and hug everybody and you get to see all the families you forget that an actual basketball game took place because we're, we're just thinking about legacies now but a basketball game took place and and what was it tonight that put the warriors on top over the boston celtics yeah i mean contrary to popular belief i don't think it was uh the the celtics quote unquote not having a true point guard i think a lot of it came down to that that run with the bench early on in the game <laughs> you, you like, were really on that tonight was, aren't you <laughs> it was very annoying but uh, i mean Ime Adoka went not the i mean he's been a great coach all year did a lot of great stuff but going to that that four bench player lineup really hurt the celtics early on that was when uh Golden State went on that massive run, went up about 17 early on in the second quarter, and uh, it just really felt like it was kind of that same point of no return was difficult. But with where the Celtics offense was tonight in much of the series, uh, it felt very difficult for them to come back from that. Yeah, it was brutal. The, the 22 turnovers is like is like one of the numbers that I would circle tonight. Do you agree, Dave? Um, it's You can circle the turnovers in all their losses in their game five yeah. loss. Tatum and Brown had eight turnovers, or excuse me, eight assists, nine turnovers. Tonight, they combined for 10 turnovers and 10 assists. I mean, that's just, that's your game, man. Your, your stars have to come out. They have to show up. All the stars showed up for Golden State in this, in this game, and what, one of them showed up? I, I think Rob Williams w- was pretty good tonight. Um, the rest of the guys, I, I just, I don't know. They just weren't there. And, but it... 
sort of felt like this is what we were going to get after the last two games. They they looked like they were completely out of gas by the end of game five. And, and hey, give them credit, man. That the, the fake comeback was probably a little more real than we want to give it credit for. <laughs> yeah. Keith, did you believe at any point that the Celtics were going to make this happen? They did cut it to nine at one point. There was not a moment. Uh, this 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 entire evening where I believed in the Boston Celtics. I mean, yeah, they kind of made it respectable, I guess. But they just felt like, I don't know if the Warriors had solved them, but we'd had now multiple games, multiple halves, multiple quarters where the Celtics could not score. And you could point to the turnovers. I mean, this is the, it's tied for the third most turnovers in a finals game on record. Like, they just turned the ball over. They couldn't create against this Warriors offense. They, they didn't crack 100 in games four or five or six, like yeah. they couldn't score. And I don't know, like, you know, definitely we give Steph all the credit. He was amazing. The Warriors are great, but like so much credit. I don't know if like we think about basketball even differently now. Like, are we entering a defensive revolution possibly? Like, is that even something worth talking about? Like you think about the game being taken over by the three point shot, but we saw defensive teams, Advance in the playoffs, you had the Celtics and the Warriors in the finals, the two best defensive teams. And when it came down to it, the Warriors did not go with offensive lineups. They said, we're going to play. We know we're playing Draymond. Guess who we're playing? We're playing Gary Payton, too. Like, we don't care yeah. if we, we don't have multiple shooters on the court. We're playing Kevon Looney because they knew they could keep the Celtics from, like, they held them to 20, like 20 points basically every quarter over the last three games. Yeah. And then... You mentioned the turnovers. I don't know if you guys saw this stat floating around, but Jason Tatum is now the only player in NBA playoff history with 100 turnovers in a single postseason. Um, oh which my is God. A, astonishing to me and really kind of symbol. It's kind of like the symbol for like the Boston Celtics postseason problems because they were close. I mean, my, I, I think if they just had a normal bad amount of turnovers, they could have won this game. Where if they just had 15 turnovers or like 13 turnovers, like, yeah, yeah, that's not good, but you have 22. It's just, I mean, Mark, I just thought it was insurmountable. And the Celtics started out well. They led by 17 in the first quarter. And then the Warriors just absolutely turned it on. I think it was, was it a 21 nothing run? which is the the longest run in the playoffs in like 50 years or something like that. Uh, Mark, what did you see from that run the Warriors put on uh, early on in this game? Yeah, I mean, like like you mentioned off rip too, I mean, uh, Boston came out looking awesome to start the game as well. I, I, it felt like the first time in, uh, you know, since about game three where they really exerted the fact that they are the bigger team. Um, you know, a lot was being made prior to this game of, of Al Horford's, uh, you know, being relatively quiet in this series compared to others. I, I do think that he could have picked his spots better to be aggressive throughout the series, but also they were just spacing him most of the time. They weren't using him as a playmaking hub. They were mostly just putting him in the slot or putting him in the corner. I felt that they made a concerted effort in the first few minutes to get him and Marcus Smart going in the post and then went away from it. Um, it just became a lot more of matchup hunting and some, some isolation heavy basketball. Um, but at again, early, we saw the ball moving. It felt just a lot of uh, Boston shooting themselves in the foot. Uh, again, too, like you mentioned, credit to Golden State because I thought they were really good throughout the series on pressuring, uh, pressuring Boston in, in a way like you'd think 
if you're pressuring ball handlers that you're going to run faster. But honestly, it made Boston go so much slower. I, I think uh, Todd Whitehead um, from over at Synergy put out a great graph uh, recently showing just how much quicker ball, uh, Golden State was getting everything than Boston was. And that felt extremely indicative tonight. Like that whole run felt like Boston missed at the rim, Golden State points within three seconds of getting down court. Um, you know, Boston miss and uh, Golden State getting down, getting one or two quick actions in the score. Like just the quickness with which they got everything going offensively was so huge because Boston was shutting them down in the half court still with with relative ease. But again, it's just the, the quick hitter stuff was unstoppable for them tonight. Yeah, to me, even after that in the third quarter where they they did make that run, I just felt it just felt like the Warriors had an answer almost every time. And a lot of it was just like, Curry getting to the rim off of a switch, whether it was a lefty layup or getting to the rim with his right. I mean, it was just, it was just too tough. It was just too tough for the Celtics. Yeah, Boston didn't have the energy to sustain yeah. what they needed to sustain. They, they had just gotten yeah. blown out so early. And this is credit to Steve Kerr. He defied convention. We all were clamoring and yelling for more Kavon Looney and three games in a row, he start he starts Otto Porter, and I think that kind of flipped the series a little bit. It, it seems like his his idea was to gas out the Celtics as early as possible, and having to chase Otto Porter around to start the game, it worked. It was it was just a fantastic turn by Steve Kerr. It also felt like you know you can say the Celtics run out of gas. I just feel like their inability to create any easy looks this entire series where it feels like maybe they're moving slower just because they're not getting any easy twos. They're not like the Warriors are shutting down basically any of their actions they're trying to do. And it's basically hero ball and the Celtics to their credit, like they hit, they hit three pointers in the series in the second half. They made their threes. You had them keep it in the game, but it's just the two point percentage is just staggering throughout every game where, where they can't generate any easy buckets. And the Warriors actually got 12 more shots in this game. So, uh, again, the the trend there, the offensive rebounds, the Celtics are the bigger team. We all said that they were bigger, younger, more athletic. Somehow the Warriors won the offensive rebounding battle. I mean, I think that that is one of the keys to the series. It's why Kevon Looney, you know, maybe should have gotten some MVP buzz. (laughs) Stop it. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, Wiggins, too. He was all over the place tonight. He was so good on Tatum. I mean, he he trapped him in the corner there toward the end of the game and and caused Tatum to I think uh, have their twenty second turnover. He had that man but waffling. He, just, he was waffling in the corner, did. man. That was rough. He did. He he's a stat sheet stuffer tonight, man. Eighteen points, six boards, five assists, four steals, three blocks, and that those three blocks I can remember all three of them. Like I could feel all three of them coming through my TV tonight. He Wiggins was unreal. I I just don't ever remember thinking before this season, like, man, the guy who's playing with the most energy and the most effort is Andrew Wiggins. I mean, what a transformation. Well, the transformation, I mean, I got a firsthand experience covering the Grizzlies series where it's like, as someone who watches all the Grizzlies games. I'm like, we're, we're getting killed, not by Steph Curry. We're getting killed by Andrew Wiggins. And then he carried this yeah. into the finals. And now everyone's seen it. This transformation is complete uh, of Andrew Wiggins into this like 
I guess we can call it a new player. I mean, he averaged for the finals, like 18 and nine, 18 points, nine rebounds, plus the steals and the blocks. Like it was just an unbelievable kind of coming out for him. Yeah. I, <laughs> along with Draymond Green was the other guy. Cause I think Steph Curry is going to get all the shine after this. And he should, he deserves every bit of it. He's the reason why this team works. He's the reason why we're here talking about the champions, but Draymond Green, that was one of the best versions of Draymond Green I've seen in a long time. He was, like, I, I didn't know that we would get that guy again, but 12, 12, 8, two steals, two blocks, and just outrageous defense. Mark, what did you see from, from Draymond tonight? I mean, we got a vintage defensive performance, and I thought it was the best defensive game of the series. It was all over the place, especially like you saw baseline so often every time that it felt like there was some kind of drive inside he was getting his hands on or just sliding his feet and enforcing some kind of movement um but offensively i mean the, it's like where has this aggression been this entire time it's it's so much less about like yes hitting the threes is huge um hitting that pull-up two he hit was was huge as well but it's more just the quickness and indec- and decisiveness he had doing everything was like that was like watching Draymond from 2017. Like that's that's the guy that that we've been uh, kind of missing at times during this playoffs, and he was huge tonight. Like I mean, he hit, he hit that first corner three, and it's like, all right, that's that feels like the game. Like that's that's the kind of thing where, like honestly, I was just like, all right, if Draymond's hitting that that shit tonight, then you can just toss this out for the Celtics because I just don't know where else you go in trying to stop their offense. I mean, you have. You saw the way they're playing. Even tonight with how well he was playing, like they're sagging as far off of him as possible to try and load up to stop Steph or Jordan Poole. And just didn't matter tonight because Dre was was playing that well. He's gonna. I can't wait to listen to his podcast tomorrow. <laughs> I know. Yeah, Draymond totally showed up with those two jumpers. It was the end of the first quarter where, all right, so the Celtics had that big, you know, they, they punched first, but then you had Draymond hitting a three. Curry hit one of his ridiculous corner three-pointers off movement, and then Poole banked in a three-pointer, and that was part of that. Mm-hmm. Well, that was the first half of that 21-0 run. I mean, we could talk about, like, another maybe unsung hero, the the lightning offensive, instant offense of Jordan Poole. I think oh it's gosh. in the last two games, he scored 29 points in 31 minutes. Like, he's just yeah. in there lighting it up. And to contrast that with the Celtics bench, which is just... Did they score eight points total in the last two games? Not not counting Luke Cornett and Aaron Neesmith garbage time in game five. Like, yeah. Derek White was unplayable. And, like, that yeah, was just was. a huge part of this. Like, maybe, you know, Tatum, who struggled to the end of the series, maybe he's a little banged up. Maybe the Warriors were just really playing great defense on him. But, like, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, they weren't getting the assistance. They weren't getting the help. That bench gave you nothing offensively for the Celtics. Yeah, to your credit on Jordan Poole, he had 11 of his points in the first six minutes of his play, which was just outstanding. And some of that was Draymond Green, too, because I was like writing the note, Draymond Green is everywhere. And as that's happening, Jordan Poole misses a three. Draymond grabs the rebound, kicks back to Jordan Poole, and he nails the three. It's like, oh, man, like there were so many plays, even just in the first half, that just felt like backbreaking Mm -hmm. for the Celtics, whether it was the offensive rebounding, whether it was Curry hitting just these deep threes. There was that one where it was a sidestep behind Draymond. It was just like, oh, man, what are you what are you even supposed to do there? And it felt like that happened over and over and over again. And you honestly, I give a ton of credit to the Celtics squad 
because there were so many moments where it just felt like this, this is over. Like this is done. And they battled back. And a lot of that was Jalen Brown continued to attack. He looked like he was a little bit beat up toward the end of that game, but the guy just kept driving and scoring and he hit some threes. I mean, you have to give like credit to them because it did feel the whole time. I mean, the entire game was just a, a stream of tweets from everybody saying this is over, you know, in whatever creative way they could come up with. <laughs> um, but they, you know, I give them, I give them credit for battling. You know, Jalen in this series, I think, and, and in this game, I mean, uh, from three tonight, he was five of 11, but in this series, it seemed like as it progressed, the Warriors treated him more and more like a deadly shooter, and he was hitting contested looks, which has been something that, uh, you know, up until this season, I didn't think he was all that great at. But uh, credit to him, uh, attacking the rim, hitting the big threes when they needed him, and starting out the game. I mean, again, he starts out the game hot. Boston starts out hot, and, and he continues that trend. Um, they just got to get more from from Tatum. Yeah. And what do we what do we do with this series with Jason Tatum? Because a lot of it was the Warriors defense and Andrew Wiggins and the the effort and they just threw everything at him. They would not let him get to his spots. I mean, Mark, what are your thoughts on Tatum and this series in particular? Yeah, um, obviously, I think uh, well, noting like it, it, did, it did seem like his shoulder was really bothering him. Uh and I think that probably played in a little bit with with where he was at around the rim. But the decision making, I do think, had some real issues throughout the series. There were moments where it looked a lot better. Um, I do think generally he, he was a lot better in, in kickstarting the offense than I do think it looked like. But um, overall, I mean, I think you saw time and time again, like like, like you mentioned, I mean, Peyton Pritchard was a negative 20 tonight. Derek White was a minus 26. It's, it's not as simple as that, but I think you saw how much they just lacked in ball handling. Um, everything, and it, and it wasn't just like a little bit. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I'm not inside Emei Odoka's head. I'm not inside all the players' heads. I don't understand why they go away from Marcus Smart so much. Like, I do think that there's a lot more. When, they, they look best when Marcus Smart is initiating sets, and so often – They'll, they'll just run it through Jalen and Jason. And granted, those are their two best players offensively, so I get it. Um, but, I, I I mean, we just saw the reason why they were the number one offense in 2022 was handing the keys over to Marcus Smart, letting him run more, and getting JT and, and, and JB running more off-ball, off-screens into more ideal looks. Um, I don't think this should be a legacy hit for Jason or anything. The fact that this team even made the finals was pretty impressive. And I do think some of the takes have been a little bit too dismissive and reductionist of a really damn good series. Like this is the NBA finals, man. So, um, yeah. And especially for a guy who's played the level of defense that Jason Tatum's played, yeah. I can knock what he's done on the offensive end. And I can complain about all his ref complaining, ref baiting the flopping where he loses the ball. I will complain about all that stuff, but you can't knock him because the guy, he, you know, he gave everything on the defensive end yep. as well. I mean, he was working, you know, um, stuff that worked for him during the regular season. It dried up in the finals. And that's something that he's going to have to address in the offseason. He needs to change the way he plays as far as I'm concerned. He does spend too much time trying to bait fouls, and it it creates these bad turnovers and a lot of bad shots. I mean, this guy, if he just played straight-up basketball, maybe he's a top 12, top 10 player. I don't know. I mean, I know as a defender, he's wonderful. Now let me see it fully on the other end instead of the antics. 
The guy should be uh, on the short list of the best young players in the league. I just don't trust him. And, and it's I, it's funny to say that about a guy who just kind of led the team to the finals. But this finals, it showed exactly the, the complaints I have about his game. And if, if they weren't there, who knows how the series goes for, for Boston? I'm I'm with you that I think there are those tweaks the 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 foul baiting where it gets out of control and, and just like the dribbling into traffic which just seemed like that's what I mean maybe the Warriors it's just traffic those are the only options they're going to close everything because yeah. that's you know we put on the turnovers but like yeah you can see Jason Tatum too many times feeling like he has to do that but I also you know like I, I do take a step back and and I have to consider just looking at some of the numbers like that. I don't think it was all the Warriors, like him shooting 31% on two-pointers for the series. He shot 66% from the line. Like That's weird. And so that yeah. makes me think, all right, so the three-pointers were going in, but I have to believe something was, was a little bit off with that shoulder. You know, maybe it wouldn't have made a difference, but I'm not sure I'm ready to, like, diminish. This is a huge accomplishment for Jason Tatum. Um, just getting to this level, it, it might have just have been, hey, you ran into a dynasty. You ran into a Warriors team that figured itself out. That anytime they had any kind of trouble, um, basically when their big guys were all healthy over the last eight years, they've essentially won the series. They found out 2-1, and they're like, we're good. We got this. Yeah. And we're like, oh, they're so cocky. And it's like, oh, no, they get. They, it turns out they, they know what they're doing. And, like, I, I'm blown away. And maybe this is just me embracing aging as a human. Uh, like I've been with these guys. We've been watching these guys for so long. And yeah. Clay played 42 minutes and Draymond played 40 minutes and Steph played 40 minutes. Like they, they went 40 minutes with these guys uh, and they won the title that like, I know some people preseason thought like they could definitely win the title. This blew me away. Like as the, as the season went along, it was like, oh, okay, yeah, maybe they will win the title again. But, like, I'm stunned they got back to the top of the mountain after where they were the last couple of years. Just lighting number two picks on fire. They don't even need them. They don't even need <laughs> to make a good draft pick. Like, hey, nah, man, nah, I just got to say. Uh, don't worry about it, man. Clay is lucky that they won tonight. That's that's all I'll say on Clay. It wasn't man, but game that was, six Clay. It was, it was not vintage game six Clay. Yeah, that was not Draymond game six, showed yeah. up. We had a vintage Draymond game. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, let's talk a little bit of legacy before we go here. Cause this is the fourth title that they've gotten since 2015. They have done it with different iterations, but it, it, it's starting to feel Spurs esque where you have your three guys and Steph Draymond and clay. And then you're just adding all these little pieces around them. Um, and then you also have like the Steve Kerr element. This is nine titles for this guy you know four as a coach five as a player i mean there's just a lot of really impressive things going on here which will be covered in more detail tomorrow our nerd she wrote but give me just your maybe just one sentence or two mark we'll start with you just on you know this this dynasty and and what the warriors have been able to put together i mean Granted, you know, the way that this team has played. I mean, my entire adult teenage life is defined by Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors. I mean, this entire era, even in the years where they didn't win a title, is based on how they've changed basketball. Um, and I think this is just the continuation of that. Like, even they've they've changed over the years as well. And uh, it just, again, still just a mind-boggling run from them. Dave. I mean, Steve Kerr. 
has a hand in the Bulls dynasty, the Spurs dynasty, yeah. and now the Warriors dynasty. Where you know we I, do we call him the architect uh, of the dynasty? <laughs> I was thinking about him today because you know the uh, sometimes uh, when you're watching on League Pass, the the commercial breaks are filled with this NBA content, and they showed the championship parade from from the season where Michael Jordan makes the pass Steve Kerr and he hits the big three and, you know, that whole funny scene that we all know. And I was like, man, this guy has been there for the last 30 years of NBA history, 25 years of NBA history. He's been in the midst of it. I think that that's, he's a unique character in NBA history and in basketball history. If you look at his collegiate career and all the other stuff that he's done. I, that's the guy I'm thinking about right now. And we're going to talk about the Warriors themselves, and especially Steph Curry, on Nerder t- tomorrow. But Steve Kerr's hands in basketball history are extremely interesting to me. And, and I mean, he's a winner, an ultimate winner. Mark and Dave, with your summaries of this Warriors legacy, I appreciate you guys leaving me. Steph Curry. <laughs> Steph Curry's my takeaway. <laughs> Just Steph Curry's the guy. Okay. Like, yeah, Draymond's awesome and Clay's awesome and Steve Kerr's awesome. My takeaway is Steph Curry. That guy I'm gonna, is all time great. He's just, the, he is an offense to himself. He's a legacy to himself. Um, it was just a crowning achievement. I mean, it really was like this legacy narrative stuff matters. Getting that finals MVP. It's huge. Coming back to this after, you know, not making the playoffs the last couple of years, like getting back and winning the title where, where you put the bow on the dynasty, where you now have these things eight years apart. It's incredible. And yes, my takeaway, Steph Curry is the man. Yeah. Uh, I guess the Warriors are now chanting and in their celebration, F you Draymond in the locker room right now. <laughs> which just goes to show that the Warriors just win better than everybody else. I can, I can attest to this because I'm a Thunder fan and was at a game where Kevin Durant returned as a Warrior and everybody thought that we were really going to zing Kevin Durant with the cupcake stuff, mm. you know? And then they come out after the game wearing cupcake shirts and you're like, huh, yep, you did it. You win better than us. And the Warriors just win better than everybody. And they are the NBA champions. And that's going to do it for today's show. That's going to do it for this NBA season. Nerder She Wrote is up next. Fellas, give me one final big ding ding. Ding ding. ding.